0: And on that very last day, like there was so many things that I was still processing um, and who knows, probably still am, (laughs) but um, it was just such an accomplishment. And I think it was, I mean, it was an accomplishment for perhaps obvious reasons, but I think mostly because it is not something that I ever cared to do. And like the fact that it was in some ways very much random Um, like something that I, that has, you know, was just never in my radar, Um, something that even upon being in my radar was something that I was completely disinterested in. Um, Like, you know, I wouldn't have seen myself again as, you know, as, as someone that didn't have courage if I didn't go on it. You know, it was more of like, there's other things that I could pursue and that I could, you know, spend my time and energy and money on that, doesn't involve you know going across the country you know so i think in in really having that opportunity and how much i learned not again about myself about austin and also just about the u.s and um, all of the hospitality that we were greeted with um i mean it was just absolutely life-changing and informative for me
1: to the maximum enthusiasm podcast, the exploration of life fully optimized with Megan Hotman. Hey, Maximum Enthusiasm podcast listeners. Welcome back. This episode is brought to you by my friends over at Relish Studio. Check them out on the web at relishstudio.com. They are a digital marketing firm devoted to purpose-driven business leaders, and their goal is to guide and support their customers as they realize the full potential of marketing to fuel both business and personal growth. Speaking from personal experience, I have worked with Relish on websites, logo design, and in fact, the editing of this very podcast. I can't say enough about them. And my friend Stu is just a wonderful human. He is totally in alignment in terms of environment and sustainability, two things I'm very passionate about. And in fact, their entire business is a 1% for the planet partner which means they're giving back a percentage of their revenue to environmental causes and organizations. I just love these guys. I can't say enough about them. If you decide to check them out and you want to hire them for a new job, make sure you mention the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast to them and they will offer you a 10% discount off of their normal rate on their first engagement with you. Check them out, relishstudio.com. Hey you guys, welcome back to the Maximum Enthusiasm Podcast. It's been a minute since I recorded. Uh, this interview was recorded on October 29th. It's been a couple months since our last show, and candidly, I have been spending time outside. I've recently gotten really into mountain biking, got myself a proper mountain bike, and I'm trying to learn the ways of mountain biking after all these years as a road and track and cyclocross and gravel cyclist who dabbled in triathlon Uh, mountain biking. I feel like I've started over completely as a newbie and it's really humbling and it's also really exciting to be tackling something new again. I'm really excited this winter to spend some time doing the drills and uh, slowing things way down on the bike. I'm learning that to speed up you actually have to slow down and a big part of mountain biking one of the fundamental skill sets is being able to roll over stuff slowly, choose your lines, reset your pedal position, and, um, be able to basically track stand and hold the bike relatively still while you navigate through things. And this is completely counter intuitive to the roadie, um, need for speed mentality. So it's really been fun and challenging taking the opportunity to do some cool, um, Trips and uh, finally got to cross mountain biking in Moab off of my list, which is really awesome. Um, last week had a crazy near-death experience that has totally rocked my world, and it was on a bike. And a gentleman had some sort of medical event in his vehicle behind me. Ended up coming through the intersection at 65 to 70 miles an hour, and Uh, There, by the grace of God, Gawai managed to uh, be about two to three seconds ahead of him when he crashed into a brick wall just behind where I was riding my bike. So it was um, a really eye-opening and transformational event. And with that has come an all-new and um, more vigorous pursuit of the items on my bucket list. So right now I'm working on when I can ride the White Rim in Moab, which is a 100-mile mountain bike ride and trying to tackle rim-to-rim or rim-to-rim-to-rim, which is in the Grand Canyon where I've never actually been. One of the other things I'm hoping to cross soon is a 14er. I'm embarrassed to admit I've lived in Colorado since 2006 and have not hiked a 14er. Uh, I've got a couple other cool things on the list that are um, not travel prohibitive uh, given COVID restrictions, things that I can do by driving or just doing here closer to home. And I'm really excited to, um, you know, make some serious gains on that bucket list, that ever elusive, sometimes amorphous bucket list. And last week got me pretty crystal clear that the time is now. And on that topic of bucket list tackles, uh, today's guest remarkably rode the Trans America event three years ago. It is a trail system that spans the entire country, approximately 4,400 miles. And she did it after only riding a bike for two years. And much of that two years was spent on a fixie, very casually riding um, in and around Denver. My guest today is Stephanie Pueyo. She is the chapter founder here in Denver for Black Girls Do Bike, which is how I met her and had the opportunity to ride bikes with her um, a couple months ago. She is, we we believe or Bicycling Magazine believes that she's the first black woman to ride, um, trans America. She's a remarkable human. She is exceeding all of her own, um, expectations and then some, and she's answering the call to do difficult and challenging and scary things. And she says, hell yes, which is really exciting and inspiring. Her story is, um, one that I cannot wait to share with you. And I believe that it is timeless and, um, very, very true in the wisdom that she shares and she is not even 30 years old yet. So that makes it even more remarkable. Um, you can learn a lot more about Stephanie if you, um, find her on Instagram and we will include links to that as well as the Bicycling Magazine article and other things on our website. So again, check that out at MaximumEnthusiasm.com. I hope you really enjoy this episode and, um, I hope that this finds you in a good place as we're heading into the final two months of this crazy year known as 2020. I really appreciate you joining us on the show. Um, oh, I'm thrilled to have you on the show, Stephanie. My guest today for the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast is Stephanie Pueyo. Welcome to the Maximum Enthusiasm podcast
0: here. Thank you for having me.
1: This guest of mine came into my radar. I had the really awesome privilege of riding bikes with her, I don't know, a month or two ago already, it's probably been. We met up in Denver and I got to ride with you and several of your teammates from the Black Girls Do Bike Denver chapter. And and then recently got to watch this amazing coverage of you in Bicycling Magazine and Um, I'm just thrilled to know you and have the opportunity to speak with you today. So thank you for indulging me in this, uh, you epitomize maximum enthusiasm and then some, um, have you always (laughs) lived a life like this? Is this always been the Stephanie, the Stephanie theme?
0: Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I want to say yes and no. Um, I think it's probably been, um, concealed in different ways. Um, and I say that because kind of around the time where I started cycling, I also feel like I just, um, got a variety of different op- opportunities that were new to me, um, between, you know, cycling as when I started cycling in 2014. Um, I had just, um, studied abroad um, in the Peruvian Amazon the year before uh, I moved to Denver that same year. Um, so essentially like my horizons kind of started opening. Um, I also became a vegetarian that year. like I had a lot of different shifts and um, with that came this these newfound opportunities for me to kind of be maximally enthusiastic and kind of um, <laughs> pursue a lot of things that were new to me and that a lot of people, you know, think think of as you know either adventurous or, you know, dip, I don't know what word they would use to describe it, but um, just uh, I guess different in a way. Um, but I think that with those shifts came this new opportunity for me to pursue, um, you know, different things. Um, and I feel like it was essentially I was like presented with these new venues to be able to pursue something that has probably always been there. So that's why I said to your question, yes, it probably has been um, just kind of subdued. And I think a part of that is just um, with the way that I grew up, um, especially as it relates to like socioeconomic status, there were a lot of things that I just um, didn't have the resources or the wherewithal or that my family just simply didn't know or um, weren't able to introduce me to. Um, And, and I also you know, there's plenty of things that my family has, you know, introduced me to, but certain things that that were just limited, and also just um, with not growing up, seeing myself represented in certain spaces, like I also just kind of assumed, um, you know, I kind of myself out of of a number of things. Cycling definitely was not in my, you know, at all in like, the, like in my mind at all, really, as a as a thing that I would ever do. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's a good question because I feel like in some ways it was always there, but I didn't have um the capacity to really like pursue that, that kind of um like more adventurous spirit that I think I've always had tucked in there.
1: Oh, I love that answer. And what I really want to know more about is I mean it sounds like these last four-ish years or when you said you moved to Denver and you became a vegetarian and just this whole horizon opening, I mean, that sounds like a major trajectory shift in your life. And so other than just the physical relocation from Florida to Denver, to what do you attribute these significant, really aha moments? And it sounds like actually giving yourself permission to pursue some of these things that you had previously thought were, were off, off limits or just not in your, in your scope of, of life.
0: Yeah, um you're asking great questions. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um I think there's a number of things. I feel like all of it kind of coalesced together and it all just kind of happened in one like huge paradigmatic shift for me um around that time. Um this was also just about when I was finishing college and I really think a part of it is a fundamental part of it really is my education at that point um as a political science major, I feel like, you know, we, we kind of often joke, like, at what point did you become radicalized? <laughs> and I feel like it kind of happened, you know, closer to my, you know, my last two years in college. And that's where I started really becoming um more engrossed in like different um literature and you know and events and just um spaces that were more focused on like racial and social justice and I feel like I had more of an aha moment and with that, I feel like I also to a certain extent started um, just surrounding myself with like other like minded people um and that you know in some ways kind of opened um the doors for for me in, in a variety of spaces. So even when I studied abroad, for example, um, it was very much happenstance, very similar to when I did the transam. And I know we'll talk about that later. Yeah, but, oh yeah. Um, um, so just long story short, my roommate um, who was also comes from a family of, of very little means, like like I did, um, just told me that she was um, we were both part of the honors college and that required us to take an additional course. Um, every academic year. So I asked her what she was taking because we always took our classes together. And then she's like, oh no, I'm studying abroad. I was, ah. like, I was like, what do you mean you're studying abroad? Like, <laughs> And by that question, really what I was asking her is like people like us don't study abroad. Oh. Um, and, um, and apart from that, you know, then she said the Peruvian Amazon, you know, a lot of people that I knew that did study abroad went to like Italy. And I'm like, you're going to the middle of the Amazon. And she's like, yeah. And I literally, I mean, I literally stared at her for maybe five, 10 seconds. I didn't ask any other questions. And I just said, okay. And I just went and I did it. And I just enrolled myself too without oh. even looking into that program. And I don't know what led me to that, but um, I'm certainly grateful that I did. And and that was, an, I mean, just a very formative and life-changing experience. Um, and I, I always, you know, I joke about this whole, you know, going to France or Italy or something. Um, uh, and I'm glad that I did. And because those are trips that most people, not most people, but a lot of people take in their lifetimes anyway. Um, whereas I'm never going to have the opportunity to literally live in the Amazon um, Wow. ever. So I think with that and, you know, coming back from that, um, and, and I hate to say this because sometimes it feels very like elitist and kind of savior and just weird but <laughs> i think i just there was a lot of like reflection that i feel um i did while i was there i mean we're i'm quite literally in the middle of the amazon obviously no you know cell phone or anything like that and um that was the first time that i had really seen the stars and um you know just kind of sleeping out in this biological station with a bunch of other students that were just like you know i was interested in that um kind of experience mm-hmm. with me and um you know, the kinds of conversations that we had. Um, and just really I, you know, I learned a lot from other folks, from my peers as well as my instructors. And with that, that's kind of also that definitely um, uh led me to to decide to stop eating meat. Um and then with doing that and and just kind of learning more about how all of these different things are in interconnected, you know, was it racial justice and environmental justice and, you know, all of these different things um, kind of all came together and like, it just kind of clicked. So with me being, you know, one of the reasons why, or perhaps the main reason why um, that it said stop eating meat is more of because, you know, of environmental reasons. And with that also came this need this or this thought of like maybe I should drive less and then that led me to cycling you know so Ah. all kind of these things all kind of really did coalesce together and um in some ways it was a happenstance in other ways I felt like it was um kismet you know it's like it's it's like this is who I was kind of like meant to be and it's just like you know the process of human development (laughs) right
1: yeah giving yourself permission to have what we sometimes feel is the audacity to step into really who we were always designed and created to be. It sounds like that trip and that experience was a really pivotal part of that for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's a good point because um, uh, I've talked before to, you know, other folks that I talk about the Transam or other experiences with. Um, and one of the big emotions that are salient for me when I talk about that um, is really guilt um, particularly because I feel like a lot of folks, be it in my family or in my community or folks that grew up like me, um, haven't had necessarily the the same experiences. Um, you know, for a a, a multitude of reasons, um, mostly like institutional and policy failures in my opinion, um sure. as it relates to, you know, underserving communities. So <clears throat> with that, I always feel like it is me having this audacity to um to kind of pave a different way for myself. I mean, a part of it is just I've been fortunate, um, you know, to have some, you know, social and economic mobility, um, particularly with graduating college. I'm the youngest of four and and none of my um, siblings went to college. So I think that really opened um, just a number of of different doors for me that that haven't been presented to them. And and I think that's where that guilt comes on. So it's like a, a part of it is guilt. A part of it is like, Stepping into myself and and just having the courage to you know partake in things and and just kind of rewrite my own narrative and really like ascertain that I belong in these spaces where I perhaps didn't feel um so part of it is is like external and internal um, and then yeah, and then another part of it is just my. I think I've had, again, a muted, but still present Mm -hmm. um, sense of thrill my whole life. Um, I just never felt that I was in that position where I could pursue it. Um, And and by this, I mean like literally anything. (laughs) Like things that to other folks may not even seem daring. They may just seem normal. Um, I remember when I was in high school, a friend of mine was, you know, she got injured and I asked how, and she mentioned that it was, um, uh, on a, on a snowboarding accident. Ah. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, oh, you go, you know, we're from, from Florida. So I'm like, oh, you go snowboarding? Like your family takes you snowboarding? Like for me, that was just something you saw on like TV. Like that's something that people actually got to do. Um, and of course, especially now living in Denver, Is something that very much everyone does, right? And it is just a part of, well, not everyone, I shouldn't say that, but um, that a lot of folks do. And it is just this winter activity. Um, Whereas for me, it was like this sign of like unmistakable, like not only privilege, but like of dignity of like being able to try different things and enjoy different things and like have hobbies. Like who has hobbies? (laughs) Um, Whereas, you know, my parents definitely didn't have hobbies you know and then well I shouldn't say of course but what I mean by that is they just had to work and survive right have the privilege of having hobbies right um so yeah um all that to say that it's a lot of these different pieces that I feel like um just kind of came together and yeah and have allowed for yeah for me to kind of taking different things that not only did I not foresee being part of, but also that I, I, I didn't even necessarily want to, you know, um, like I didn't grow up wanting to be a cyclist or anything, or right. Even, you know, recreational, I just, I just now do it.
1: <laughs> yes, you do. In yeah. a really <clears throat> significant and important way. And I, I want to talk about that in a second, but I have one more question about sort of this, transcendental period in your life, (laughs) if you will, this metamorphosis that really sounds like it has come, you know, I'm not going to suggest full circle, but it has really um, snowballed in a wonderful way for you over these last four-ish years. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of people that listen to this podcast and just a lot of people in life in general, and I think especially our young people are struggling. Um, What I hear you saying in many different ways and different words in this sense of this muted sense of thrill, this sort of Stephanie, who she always was, but then really stepping fully into it and experiencing both sort of the privilege and the guilt and the, all the feels in between of what that meant and just incredible opportunities and doors that opened. But at the same time, I, I believe that you did a lot of things to set those opportunities up for yourself too. Um, You know, what advice would you give someone who feels like they are muted um, in whatever, personality trait or in whatever avocation or pursuit. um, How did you get to that point where you really sound like you freed yourself up to say, hell yes, I'm, I'm in, I'm pursuing this instead of kind of living by the stories and some of the beliefs that you'd held about yourself prior?
0: Hmm. Good question. <laughs> I mean it sounds
1: it sounds more than just the roommate spontaneously saying, Hey, I'm going to the Amazon. Right. Miami. Right, right, right. And you know, I mean, that was a significant move on your part, of course, to say, cool, I'm in. Um, but it sounds like you've also just intentionally resisted the urge to fall back into the old beliefs that Stephanie held and you've pursued this new, this new reality for yourself.
0: Yeah. Um <clears throat> it, Yeah, it definitely, yeah, it goes without saying that a lot of these different opportunities that have come really have in, you know in some ways been by chance but in other ways like haven't um mm-hmm. so it, it definitely goes beyond you know that one conversation <clears throat> with my roommate but um but yeah um i think a part of it is really changing, um, how I perceive the idea of deservingness. Ah. Um, and I think it took a while for me to assume that I, um, <clears throat> that I would really deserve to have any of these experiences that I was coveting. And I think a part of it is also, you know, having the courage to, which this, this, I will say has kind of always been, um, a fundamental part of like who I am and my personality, but I think having the courage to, um, in some ways go against the grain. <clears throat> yes. Um, and, and, and that's like in many ways, um, with a lot of my, you know, my political ideology and, um, you know certain perceptions of 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 societal norms and and things of that nature, but um yeah, I really had to tap into that, and I think it's something that I'm still working on and perhaps will you know I, I think it's a dynamic thing that I will continue to explore throughout my life um of i've I've always had in many different spaces and still do imposter syndrome, and mm-hmm. um I think that was uh, an element of it. Um <clears throat> even with all of these activities. Again, with this idea of like who studies abroad. Um, like before I even did it, before I even looked into the program, I already dismissed it as something that I do not do. Um, like that's for rich people, or that's for, you know, for you know, maybe people with really high GPAs that even if they didn't have the socioeconomic status to afford it, perhaps, you know, got some kind of scholarship. Um, like, that wasn't written into my plans or my expectations of, again, of what I deserve, what kind of experiences I deserve. And I think, <clears throat> you know, I can't pinpoint um, what allowed me um, the space to even explore that, to potentially change my mind about that. Um, but but I do think it, it certainly happened. Um, <clears throat> and again, I do still kind of... Um, Go back and forth um you know i vacillate again between this sense of deservingness and then sense of guilt but Mm -hmm. i also i am a very um self-directed person um i am a person that to a certain extent even though i do set limitations for myself i do i I, i'm i'm the type of gal to really get after it Mm -hmm. and um just go for what i want um again, to certain respects and, and and not to talk to others. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, yeah, I think there's an element of that and also an element of, of just simply wanting more. I think with the way that I grew up, um, I always wanted more and didn't know what that meant exactly. I just, I knew that I... I wanted experiences just beyond um, what I was, what I had access to growing up. Um, And again, I didn't know what that meant. I could, could have been traveling. It could have been, you know, with, with sports, it could have been, you know, career focused. It could have been a number of things, but I just, I I definitely felt confined and limited growing up. Um, And I, Yeah, I just kind of wanted to kind of push those boundaries. And also, um, I think a part of it is also being, being motivated by other people, Um, seeing other people like me doing certain things, um, especially now in the cycling world, like that's very important to me. Um, And I think really kind of um, seeing other people has absolutely given, um, you know, me permission to. Pursue different things, and where I no longer would feel like, oh, that's that's not you know, studying abroad isn't for me or for people like me. Like now, it's like on the contrary, like if anyone deserves right. <laughs> to do it, it's people like me. Um, right. But it, it took a while for me to understand that, Um, and also it took me a while to understand um, a lot of the different facets in our society and um, you know powers at play that continue to. Um, you know, keep certain classes of people down, be it based on race or class or gender or, you know, a number of other taxonomies. So I think in understanding that it's, it's like wanting to rewrite that for myself um, while also understanding that it isn't just an individual thing. It isn't just like, it's great. And, and, you know, it's fine if people want to applaud, like, some of my successes but at the same time um I think I'm I'm kind of the exception and not the rule um so yeah a part of it is is kind of feeling like responsible for making something out of myself to whatever, you know, standards um, either I have or putting myself in a position where I feel like I can help out my community is really important to me. Yeah. Um, so I think that's also that's also really propelled me. Um, and, and right now still keeps me going. Um, and I think always will um, just being able to really serve um you know the most vulnerable and marginalized in our society, I think that that really kind of um is one of my um how should I say um, it's one of my inspirations, I guess, or like something that I um like feel like a deeply rooted commitment to um, so yeah, <laughs> I feel like all of this kind of came again came together in. Or, uh, you know, I, I not only came together, but I think it was a part of that development, that personal development and like racial development. And um, I think with that came all of these like new pursuits. Because um, even when I moved to Denver, um, like I didn't even tell anyone and I wasn't entirely sure what was about to happen. Like I didn't <laughs> even tell like my parents, I didn't tell my siblings. I oh, sure. wow. Like I was just kind of here and it was like months and they were like, oh, so do you live here now? Like, yes.
1: Oh, that's amazing.
0: Yeah. So anyway, um, not to delve too much into that. It's just um, because I feel like I almost forgot your question now.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. This was all wonderful. No, and no, thank you for expanding on it. I didn't want to interrupt any of it because it's pure gold as far as I'm concerned. And what I hear from you more than I think Almost any other guest I've interviewed is such a sense of clear purpose to the point where I'm a little envious of it because you are so clearly swimming in your channel and doing what you've been called to do. And it was this beautiful culmination of what you studied in school, what you're now pursuing professionally for yourself and the the jobs that you're charting for yourself, as well as this amazing journey in cycling you are leading these um, diversity rides, and you are, you know, just this incredible spokesperson um, for Black women on bikes and the Black women do bike community. Um, these solidarity rides that you've been leading in Denver all summer are incredible, and it's sort of like these multi facets of Stephanie that are all having such significant impact, and I can only imagine that that feels really, really good and satisfying, um, especially with what you've just told us about your upbringing and your beliefs. Um, so, I mean, am I, am I off base or am I close with that assumption?
0: No. Um, no, I think that's exactly right. I, I, I I think it took a while for me, you know, for me to have this kind of moment of reckoning and, and reflection about like who I am and a lot of like personal things, um, You know, that's why I don't think there's like any one defining moment, but a series of them. Um, And yeah, I think in in getting a better sense of myself and and what my purpose is, because in some ways I do feel like I'm clear on my purpose, but at the same time, I didn't always know that, you know, it took me a long time, not only to carve out a path for myself, um but also to even truly understand um you know this kind of larger um systematic like dynamics in, in society. Like I was very um just unaware um <clears throat> of a lot of different things um you know as it relates to you know different systematic you know inequities and barriers um and it took a lot of like different examination both again personal as well as more kind of scholarly really um for me to get a better understanding of how our society operates um and how how power how power is diffused um and distributed or not <laughs> right um, and and how that spoke to my experiences growing up, especially because I went to a high school, um, where there's a lot of folks like me and a lot of folks that were from, you know, similar neighborhoods, but then there were a lot of, or perhaps I I don't know if I should say a lot, but a good number of people that were, you know, very, um, like they were certainly like middle-class, um, and and even that was kind of new to me in a way. Um, and, and with that, it's like really just understanding or getting a better understanding for um, how people are, how people's kind of resources or access to resources really just kind of change their life. And with that, um, I think that's really kind of helped explain um, or or has has informed this larger commitment that I have um, to my community um, and again to folks that you know the most vulnerable folks in our society um, in different respects um, I, I do see it as kind of a gift though I don't see it as you know as benevolent in any way I feel that it is um I feel a lot of gratitude for even be being able um to serve my community in any which way, and I think I have a lot of, um, a lot of learning to do, and I feel like I could be significantly more impactful than I have been. Um, but but that actually kind of contributed to getting involved with the Denver Solidarity Rides. Um, they had reached out to me because I was um, uh, or I am the leader of of Black Girls Do Bike. Um, so when they reached out to me, um, they wanted me to help perhaps lead the ride as well as um, say a few words, and and I agreed mm-hmm. to that, and and that's why I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I did it for a multitude of reasons, but one of them is also because I felt like I wasn't showing up enough, ah, um, as it relates to this like larger movement for racial justice. You know, folks were, I mean, there's been all sorts of protests for years, um, especially as really like black lives matter um coming together in I believe twenty twelve um I was never part of that um and and again, this is where that kind of guilt comes in and um I, I'm learning how to strike a balance between understanding um that there are different ways for me um to care for my community that you know sure not just limited to either going to a protest or or what have you um but at the same time feeling um Like again, that I could use my resources um, to do something that that could be more impactful than what I have done before. Um, So, with the solidarity rides, you know, I really thought that that was going to be one ride. Um, And I will say, um, I was not at all behind that first one. It was um, a friend of mine named Emily Kleinfelter, and um, she really. Put it together on her own, really, and she, you know, chose who she wanted to reach out to, and and that kind of thing. And it was very successful. Um, and you know, from that, we ended up doing six total. That's amazing. Three. Yeah, and I was I was just so grateful to be part of it, to learn from the other co-organizers. Um, I I was also just very honored. Um, they always wanted me to speak. I think I, yes, ended up speaking at all of them. Um, right on. And, and, yeah, again, there's, like, that mixture of, like, imposter syndrome of, like, am I someone that anyone needs to listen to right now? <laughs> and then also, but at the same time, striking a balance between, like, feeling confident and feeling like, you know, yes. I, I actually do have have something yes. to say. Um, and, and kind of tapping into my vulnerability there and talking to a bunch of strangers about, you know, some of the things that I grapple with on a daily right. basis. That, some of which I haven't even talked to my own friends about. <laughs> oh, so, um, right on. <clears throat> yeah, I, and I... I to your point earlier, I definitely recognize um, that, you know, building solidarity, particularly class solidarity, and, um, you know, speaking up for um, women, especially, um, you know, trans women, non-binary folks, um, particularly BIPOC folks, particularly Black folks. Right, <laughs> right, right. Uh, all of that yeah. is, is really my bottom line. Um, I don't want to get involved with anything that doesn't have an eye for um, injustice and liberation for Black folks, really. So ultimately, I try like with it, whether it's in my work. I work in higher ed. Um, some of the things that I get involved with within my university, um, as well as with my PhD studies, um, really everything, even cycling at this point, is kind of becoming this, or it certainly becoming or is, um, you know, it's taking it uh, a level higher than just, you know, recreation or just fitness or just biking up Lookout Mountain or biking up whatever, you know, it's this larger, more meaningful um, and deeply rooted thing. Um, Yeah. You know, being able to learn from so many people like that is a gift that um, I'm grateful for every day. Um, I've just met so many incredible people um, who are just much smarter than me and much more giving than I am and much um, more connected than I am. And um, it is definitely a privilege to be able to learn from them and um, aspire to just be better.
1: Well, and I just want to reflect one thing back at you before we switch gears, because this has all been, I mean, the stuff I wanted to talk about is really cool, and all that kind of stuff. But to me, this is really the inspiring part of Your story is what I hear is a woman who's answering the call and she's doing it despite imposter syndrome, um, which by the way, people who aren't doing big things don't suffer from that. (laughs) People who are doing easy and laying low don't suffer from imposter syndrome. So that tells me that you're where you should be because of course it feels scary and it also feels significant and meaningful and impactful. And sort of despite some of the stories that you were maybe told as a young girl or that you believed for yourself, you know, you've set those things aside and you're being called. You've been asked to speak at these solidarity rides. That feels incredibly uncomfortable. And nevertheless, you said yes. And I think that's just such powerful testimony of someone who um, is really finding her purpose as it's evolving and becoming ever clearer for her. And then she is leaning into the hard things. And it's just so cool to see and it's just so wonderful too to see publications like bicycling magazine you know covering you in in all of this amazing stuff that you're doing I mean that I I can only imagine that that felt pretty good to have them cover your story <laughs> about
0: Trans America. <laughs> yeah um I, well one I just want to say that I I appreciate you saying that and I, and I appreciate that feedback. Um, I think it's something that I have to remind myself of. Um, again, kind it's of like that piece of deservingness, like.
1: Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like why of, me? Right. But you've, you're, you're you've definitely been chosen. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. But I, I feel like I need those um, affirmations. Sometimes. Sure. Thank you. Um, sure. Yeah. That was, I mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so talk me through that. I mean. Yeah. So you, bicycling magazine. The title is, you know, the the first woman to to ride the Trans America, or at least based on everyone's best, you know, research and and um, belief that you are the first black woman to complete it, and you did it what four years ago, right?
0: Uh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And um and, and this is a significant ride. This is this is a giant <laughs> ride. You told me it took um a hundred and how many days? Hundred one. 101. And mm-hmm. so it's from Astoria, Oregon to Yorktown, Virginia, right?
0: Yes, but we okay. did. it. Um, we went one other way.
1: Okay. Mm-hmm. So online that suggests that that is 4,218 miles. Does that sound right?
0: Uh, that's how much it's supposed to be. Our total was 4,468. So. Amazing. You overachievers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Part of, of it was a detour in Yellowstone, but yeah. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. Okay. So a hundred some days. <laughs> 4,400 miles. Um, This is someone who, it sounds like about four or five years ago, really was not riding bikes at all. The trip to the Amazon prompted you to stop eating meat, which prompted you to question your transportation behavior. You started riding a bike. And so talk me through the transition from, I should use my bike for transportation to I'm going to go ride 4,400 miles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um... It's, it's it's funny that you say that because, of course, it sounds a little, not absurd, but it sounds like... Oh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah but, it, it also, but it it truly kind of just was that. <laughs> like, there really isn't much to it. That's why I always kind of feel in some ways strange sharing my story because there wasn't that much of a thought process, really. Um, or, again, like not this um, huge defining moment or, you know, I wasn't like trying to like forge my own path as it relates to like... Um, um, bike touring or anything uh on the contrary it really was again <laughs> in some ways happenstance in some ways kismet um so yeah so apart from just having um these different ideas about um you know transportation and things like that I also did have a friend um do have friends that at that time um he and his um his family were very into bikes um and he had a fixed gear and that's that was my introduction to fixed gears like I didn't even know what that was ah. um, so in in learning about it through him um, and again having all of these other kind of different reasons um, as to why I wanted to pursue um, cycling um, or you know just kind of give it a try really um and, you know it was kind of very liberatory feeling like I had gone on different rides with him like I just I just thought it was fun um, and um, you know between that um, kind of more. Environmental reasons, and really, I just kind of thought it was badass. Um, and I ultimately went and, and purchased my gear, which was, you know, the first bike that I had as an adult. Um, and really, when I moved here, I did a lot of biking by myself in Miami. You know, a lot of my friends probably didn't even know that I owned a bike. Um, and Miami, unfortunately, like the infrastructure is not all that great. Um, so that, and I guess I was in some ways irresponsible. Like when I would go on, on rides, I would just kind of like, just figure it out. I wasn't, you know, I didn't know what Strava was. I wasn't looking at, you know, bike, you know, safe bike routes because in my mind in Miami, there were no safe bike routes.
1: Right, right. (laughs) Right.
0: true, but, um, uh, it you know, in my community definitely no one was cycling, at least not like that you know, like maybe kids in the street and things like that, but otherwise, um, certainly people were not commuting or, or or things of that sort. So anyway, um, yeah. uh, I remember I biked from my where I went to undergrad at FIU um, home which I don't know, I think it's maybe like 15 miles or something. And I was really just kind of going all over the place. And pretty much when I heard a car, I would get on the sidewalk. And then when the car left, I went back on the street. And I was just like kind of figuring it out. And it was it was fun. Um, I mean, looking back at it, it was probably a little dangerous. But um, I'm not, um, I guess I'm not that. Um, not that I, I'm, easily
1: deterred, right? Yeah, right. Exactly.
0: I'm, uh, yeah um don't give in to fear uh, perhaps as as easily as others would Um, but again some of it may just be (laughs) simply not being responsible but um so yeah so I I I started biking that way really kind of alone it's not really something that I pursued with others Um, every now and then um uh, I remember one time my roommate I had a partner at the time they had bikes and we just like you know went to get something to eat on bikes and It's like a five-minute ride, but um, for the most part, I I did it alone, and then I moved to Denver, Um, and when I did, um, that really just kind of, you know, kind of blew my mind, right? Like, I just saw people biking everywhere. Um, I, you know, I was paying more attention to the fact that there were so many, you know, yield to bike signs or, or, you know, share the road signs, and again, I really don't want to talk down on Miami because there are certain, certainly... Certain areas, <laughs> um, and it's growing, and the infrastructure is growing, and I think the interest is growing as well. Um, but it's just not something uh, that I really saw or, or honestly, was even looking out for, you know, um, when I was in Miami. So when I moved here, and I, and I saw so many folks either you know commuting or just biking for fitness or whatever it may be, um, that really just kind of opened the door for me to be able to pursue that myself. Um, and perhaps most importantly, <laughs> uh, I met my now fiance. Um, um here when i moved and um he had been um cycling for a very long time um i think i don't know how many years at the time and he didn't own a car um he had been commuting solely by bike for a while um, prior to moving to um uh denver he was living in chicago so it was um you know the, the infrastructure there definitely allows for cycling um and despite the very harsh winters he was still biking um uh, 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 the whole year, um, <clears throat> in Chicago. So, you know, he was definitely kind of a hard ass about it. So, um, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So that really, you know, he, you know, definitely encouraged me, um, to really get out there and, you know, started biking further and more often and, and, It was just a very liberating feeling. Um, I mean, a part of it is us both being new to Denver. You know, there was so much um, and still really is. I feel like we still only, you know, kind of, you know, touch the surface really. But um, there was a lot of things that we wanted to um, just learn about here and and, and really just explore. So in us you know, we we started doing a lot of different rides together or you know, sometimes we would kind of connect, you know, take like public transportation and then we'd bike out to Boulder and, and then sure, you know, that just kind of started building and building. Um and that really was when I I, I felt like I was <clears throat> um yeah, it's kind of becoming a cyclist. Um so yeah, so with that, um yeah, we just kind of kept biking a lot. And he had, by the time that we met, he had learned about the Trans Am eight years prior. And, you know, when he, I think he saw like some video or something and, you know, he kind of in some ways promised himself that he would do that at some point in his life. Um, and And he had no real concrete plans, right? Like it could have been within the next year. It could have been when he retired, just essentially when he had really the opportunity and the time to you know do something like that. Um, so pretty much to kind of you know make a long story short we we were both in grad school we ended up graduating in 2016. Um, he was um, he was doing an internship as required for his program. so um, in June when we graduated essentially school and work would have been over so he kind of felt like that was the perfect time you know kind of yeah. That um, to do something like that. So he was, he made the plan, and he's like, "I'm gonna do it." At this point, I was, I was, you know, also doing my master's, but I was also working full time at my university, actually. So um, I had no plans to go, no intention to go, no thought. And he also wasn't necessarily pushing me to do it either. Really, okay. Um, he was just kind of, you know, he was learning about it. He he bought the maps from Adventure Cycling, you uh-huh. know, reading all these testimonials, doing all these things, getting prepped. And we, we just knew those were his plans and, and we were both, you know, perfectly fine with that. And I think as the year just kind of went by and I started um, recognizing that I was ready to move on from my job, um, not, not to go on the Trans Am, but just in general um, was probably going to look for something else when, when my, um, when I earned my master's Um, and, and then, you know, then he would start sharing videos with me and then um I do remember this one video specifically that he shared with me um of two women and I think maybe that was the first time that I had seen like women on those rides or on something similar I don't think they were doing the Trans Am but I think they did like Chicago to San Francisco or something like that and I remember that like at the very end of the video I want to say it's actually an REI video or something oh like okay um at the end of the video there were just, you know, just kind of saying, just do it. And, and kind of doing all these, like, you know, kind of motivating things or, or sharing these motivating things that, um, essentially that they were saying that there's, you know, so many reasons not to do something, um, to kind of not give into that fear and to try it anyway. And, you know, kind of, um, deliberating experience that they had. And that was like the first time that I maybe ever entertained it. And then, then he kind of did start asking and you know, kind of twisting my arm, um, gently, <laughs> um, <laughs> for me to do it with him. And uh, I don't think he had any expectation that I actually would. Because, again, at this point, I had been cycling for two years, um, starting off in Miami, where it's flat with a fixed gear <laughs> that wasn't even suitable really for me to bike. Well, I mean, I could certainly use it in Denver, but even in Denver, really, um, I felt like I needed another bike, you know, yes, definitely. Um, so yeah, it apart from just like my general disinterest and and again um I grew up not having any of these experiences period. So like one part of it wasn't even so much the cycling but it was also like when it came to lodging, you know, we'd be camping and I didn't do that much well no, I didn't do any camping growing up. Um and I think by the time that we went on tour, I may have been camping definitely I don't need a full hand to count. Um I want to say it was just two, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, so anyway, it, it, all of it was new to me. It wasn't, it wasn't just the cycling or the touring or, you know, the panniers or, you know, the racks and it was just everything. Um, so ultimately I just kind of, kind of like everything else, <laughs> kind of like, you know, um, when I decided to, to study abroad, it was the same thing. I just kind of, you said yes. And I said, yes, right. you said, yes. I my <laughs> permission to do something like that. Um, and there were so many reasons for me to not, you know, so many very oh, just yeah. for me to not pursue something like that. Um, and I just, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say that it was deliberate. I really don't know what um, clicked, I guess, that, that, allowed me to just kind of silence all of the, you know, those very real reasons to to not, you know, what whether it's danger, whether it's, you know, my mother's reaction. Right, right. Yes, yeah, <laughs> um, so I can only really imagine. <laughs> yeah. So many different things. Um, but I think a lot of it really I have to say um to Austin is that um a lot of it really just, I think, stemmed mostly from me trusting him. Um, like, even if it wasn't us backing across the country, whatever adventure, you know, you want to swap that out with. Um, I really think that it boiled down um, to me trusting that if I was pursuing it with him, that we would be OK. Um, or that, you know, ultimately, if we went and, and, and you know, we failed or it just didn't go well or whatever, that we would be able to kind of figure it out together um so but yeah and and, i mean mind you at this point i had also only been with him for two years and only one year when we were planning on doing it um so even that was kind of pretty new and like fresh (laughs) for two people that have been dating for two years to to have that kind of trust and and to go back across the country together um that's really special yeah and and you're now engaged Yeah, right. I mean, how could you not be, I guess, when you... When you make (laughs) it through that. Yeah, right. Um, I feel like that was um, like the trial almost. Oh,
1: yeah. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Oh, and then some, yeah. Um, Yeah, we learned
0: so much about ourselves and each other in in that experience, so.
1: Well, I certainly share your um, history of not having camping experience. I too could count it on probably two fingers. And when I started researching this trip, um, and would love to eventually do that and have added it to my bucket list. Um, for sure, the camping is the part that gives me more anxiety than the riding itself. so I can definitely relate to how that must have made you feel um, particularly as a new cyclist. but it sounds like the miles clicked off and I've read a few of your blog posts that you posted during your trip and mm-hmm. and as you said, you guys just really figured it out as you went. Yeah, oh, what an incredible experience in your lifetime and um, the question I've been dying to ask you, and I'm sure you've answered a yeah. hundred times, is you know what is the most magical event of that entire hundred-some-day adventure if you had to pick one?
0: The very last day, I would say. Okay. And that's hard to. So the moment that you asked that, I was I was just kind of already almost like prepared to say that I wouldn't be able to pick a right. Day. Um, <laughs> But I actually will say that the it's the very last day, and the reason I say that is because it was so strangely metaphoric for like the entire ride, <laughs> and I say that because so we woke up very very early um that day because I I forget where we left from now like I forget the name of the town but <clears throat> we were out camping. Um and we were essentially doing a century on the last day. I think it okay. ended up being like 98.6 miles or something. Um, woke up super early. I think if I recall, Austin didn't have lights. Um, because um of a crash that we had in like Montana, I think it was. Um, because he had a dynamo hub. Um, oh sure. Like the wiring, you know, with the crash just got messed up. So. Um, we didn't have the light. So I think I, I like had to like put it in front of him. So that was like kind of the first thing. Um, cause it was a little scary and the road that we were in, it was just very dark. Um, when we left, um, then we had been riding and I don't know how long, I think we got to like 20 miles or something. I forget, you know, at this point it was four years ago. So I don't remember. Um, but we were going very, very slow and he was, he was trying to be patient, but. Um, he was also just kind of concerned, like, I don't know if we're going to make it going, you know, at this pace. Um, and at one oh. point we stopped and we realized that it was because I had a slow leak in my back, my rear tire. Um, and we were like, oh, <laughs> that's why. Uh, and this is the last day. <laughs> I'm just like, goodness gracious. Um, and I, I for, you know, we ended up at some town um, and uh, they didn't have, I think I think I needed an actual tire. Like, it wasn't just a tube. I think I needed an actual tire. Um, so we had to end up, you know, making some switches. I, for, I forget exactly what it was that we needed. Um, I do... Re- I want to say that it was a tire because I remember they didn't have my size. Like, I ended up, when I finished, like, my, my front and rear tire were different sizes. Um, oh, funny. I, yeah, I had to take whatever, like, I got. Um, I mean, it wasn't, like, you know, so different, but I, I remember it being different. Um... And, yeah, and i mean we we started out when it was dark, we biked, you know through the night. I think we ended up finishing at like nine twenty eight p m um when we finished, uh, we got some like celebratory beers at like a uh seven eleven or something, and then we got a hotel. oh, we also uh we like couldn't find a place to stay. I think we had to, we, I remember we were like sitting somewhere, I think it was in, in like some convenience store, just like sitting on the ground, um, you know, drinking Gatorades or whatever, and like having to call multiple places cause there was no place for us to, you know, um, uh, to, to stay. And then apart from that, um, we got like pizza or something. Um, and we went to the hotel and, you know, I went to bed and ended up getting up and having like really bad issues like I was like vomiting, oh no. you know, things and it was actually my first time in my life that I had ever been to the hospital oh, um, no. like for something that wasn't you know just a, a you know whatever a checkup or, or seeing a, a specialist or something um so yeah it's it's just so it, it was so such a strange day <laughs> um like in some ways it was like anticlimactic in other ways it was like again, it was kind of metaphoric of the whole thing. It was like, what are we doing? Like, what's happening? We have to figure all these things out, all of these different obstacles. But we also just did this huge grand thing um, that really supersedes all of these kind of small um, um, setbacks. Um, and and we did it. I I feel oh, like I'm like just getting emotional and just thinking about I it. Oh, I bet. It was bet. such a... It was such a normal day, but also such a grand day, like perhaps one of the most, you know, special days of our lives. And I just couldn't. There was a lot of disbelief, um, for perhaps obvious reasons. But, um, you know, when we made it through Virginia, which took us so long um, because of me, um, I was already, I was a very, very proud of myself. I went through a state um, you know, with right. you know, years of biking experience and barely, you know, it's not like if I was biking every day or anything. Um, and I made it through a whole state, like be a bike. I think at that point, I think going across Virginia was like 700 miles. Like that was enough for me to celebrate, you know? So, um, and and apart from that actually when when we crossed the virginia kentucky border into kentucky um, austin started he got sick and he had a fever and, and we had to oh no you know, we lost like a, among the reasons why it took us so long cuz 101 days is is actually long like most, oh okay about, like 70 80 and some people if they're on the really fast track they'll do like 40 days like there's some oh wow the, like, um, yeah yeah. So 101 is definitely a long slog. Yeah. Um, but we lost like three to four weeks on like mechanic issues and, and other issues. But <clears throat> um, so anyway, Austin got sick. And and the only reason I mentioned that is because at that point, um, I we re- that was the, kind of the first time where we were like, we were actually having to entertain the idea of like having to stop um, and just kind of call it quits at, at that point. Um And thankfully we didn't have to, but I, I just mentioned that because there were so many, again, other times where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Um, And it wasn't even me looking at myself from a deficit perspective. It was a part of it is just like, you know, this is hard and this is new. And this is, it's such a challenge, mostly a mental challenge. Um, physical too for sure and and especially at first but I think it was more of a mental challenge um, more than anything else um, so at that point I kind of keeps kept setting these milestones right <laughs> like you know by the time we got to Kansas I'm like okay we're halfway like that's good enough for me or like then we got to Colorado then I'm like okay well I made it back home so that's good enough for me <laughs> um isn't and- that funny Yeah. And I just, I I just, you know, kind of just wasn't sure whether I was going to be able to make it or not. I mean, I was certainly determined to, um, especially kind of as we got to the the Western area of the US. um, But I just, I just didn't know. (laughs) So uh, I just wanted to be like, optimistic, but also very realistic. And um, so I like how those
1: were smaller bite size goals, though, at the same time, you weren't necessarily giving yourself permission to bail, but you were setting smaller goals, which I think is probably great in such a huge event or a huge goal. Yeah.
0: And, and I, you know, it's like, of course I'm glad that I didn't quit, but like, I, I wouldn't have seen it as even quitting at the time. I, I <laughs> think that would have been a huge feat to still celebrate, even if I had, you know? Um. So for me, it was, you know, I was just overjoyed, um, you know, such a profound experience. Um, and on that very last day, like, there was so many things that I was still processing, um, and who knows, probably still am. <laughs> but um, it was just such an accomplishment, and I think it was. In, I mean, it was a, an accomplishment for perhaps obvious reasons, but I think mostly because it is not something that I ever cared to do, and like the fact that it was in some ways very much random, like um, something that I that has, you know, was just never in my radar, Um, something that even upon being in my radar was something that I was completely disinterested in. Um, Right. Like, you know, I wouldn't have seen myself again as, you know, as as someone that didn't have courage if I didn't go on it. You know, it was more of like, there's other things that I could pursue and that I could, you know, spend my time and energy and money on that doesn't involve, you know, going across the country, you know? So I think in in really having that opportunity and how much I learned, I again, about myself, about Austin, and also just about the U.S. and um, all of the hospitality that we were greeted with, um, I mean, it was just absolutely life-changing and formative for me. Um, and definitely, uh, I'm only 28, but I am confident that it is the most important thing I have ever done and will have ever done in my life. That's uh, powerful. Um, That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I I really do think that it is, um, but I think it also kind of speaks to what I was talking about earlier of, like, um, just, like, I wouldn't have known to dream this big. Mm. Like, it wouldn't have, you know, me dreaming big was, like, having a career. Like, my dream when I was in high school, like, I always told myself that like, I would have made it if I got a job that paid 40 grand. Like I was like set, like, I don't even know where I got this 40 grand from, (laughs) but I just like told myself, man, if you get a job and you make 40 grand, like you've like, your life is going to change. Like, and I didn't even care. I was like, I would be an accountant. i would be a teacher, like whatever, like, because really what I was seeking was stability. Yeah. Stability and economic self sufficiency. Like that's what I wanted. Um, And to me, I just put whatever number on it. And, you know, I was in high school and and didn't (laughs) know, you know, like, I mean, 40K was different in like, you know, early 2000s, but also um, even then, you know, I had no sense of like bills and (laughs) responsibilities. So I I don't know where I got this 40,000 from, but I just told myself, like that, like, you know, you've made it when you get a, a job, a career, and you make that much money. Um, And, you know, that was like my bar. Going across the country was def- and and that, and again, not because I'm biking across the country, but also because that, being able to do that speaks to what I have going on in my life, like my status, because everybody isn't afforded that kind of... Opportunity. Right. Um, even people with means <laughs> are not afforded that opportunity. You right know? So um for me it was like, oh, I don't have to set these I can I can aim higher, essentially. Um, and I, I think that's something that that you know, biking across the country taught me really. At this point, I I'm not sure that there's anything that I can't do. Oh. Um, love that yeah. i
1: love that i love that and i mean fair to say then if someone is considering doing a trip like that one or something similar you would highly recommend it you would tell them to do oh it god. if they at all possibly can
0: yeah no oh my god i think everyone deserves an opportunity like that and again it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be cycling it doesn't have to be touring um but you know whatever it is like whether you want to tour maybe just your state um or maybe do 200 miles and 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 that's what you call good or you want to hike up mount everest or you know you want to learn how to scuba dive um and you never even you know maybe you don't even know how to swim but you want to learn how to swim and then swim across the english channel like just again i don't want to say just do it because i think that that is in some ways crass because everybody doesn't have the resources or the ability to do something like that. Um, But should you be able to, I, I, I just cannot recommend it enough. Um, I think as a society, um, people don't get to recreate. They don't Mm -hmm. get to, you know, um, rest really, particularly in the U S with our kind of culture here. yes. Um, I think people don't have that privilege of just you know, resting or or pursuing something solely because it's fun. Um and, you know, something that brings you joy, um, I think eludes a lot of people, particularly yes. by bi- folks um in the US. So absolutely. And and just being open-minded, um, I think is a is a big one because again, like I I just I cannot stress, I mean, I already biked across the country and I and I still think that you know, some of my friends and family are still like, what, like, (laughs) why? (laughs) And, you know, and, and it's already done. And I think they're still like, I don't understand.
1: (laughs) Honestly, sometimes because I can or because I want to are enough reason, right?
0: Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 they're not. I don't think it's it's a detrimental thing. It's just more of like they just don't whoa, get it. Like <laughs> where did this come from? So I really want to stress, and I I've, I've written this before, and I think it's confused people, but um, I really think that the people that I would most want to um, suggest a tour to are the people that could not care less to do something like that. Yeah. Like you know, there's a lot of people that may you know have grown. Uh, biking that if you tell them something like that you know it could pique their interest and and i'm not suggesting that those folks shouldn't you know pursue go on the trans am or do any other tour but i i would really love to see more people who are like i mean just genuinely disinterested as i was um to pursue something like that because i think it'll just kind of just shake your whole world
1: yeah Uh, it'll change their life the way it's changed yours yeah Certainly I mean, your quote earlier, I wouldn't have known to dream that big. I mean, what an incredible testimonial for a bike adventure. And of course you and I have the love of the bike in common. So we're preaching to the choir a little bit here, but what an incredible statement to make about an experience and your comment earlier about many people who have the means still won't kind of give themselves permission to do that type of thing. I mm-hmm. completely agree. They'll come up with all the excuses about how busy they are and how the logistics are inconvenient and blah, blah, blah. And really what your story tells me is that sometimes we just have to get out of our own way and just say yes to things that yeah. scare us. And you did. And I'm just so proud of you, even though I didn't know you then. Um, but I <laughs> just am uh, also just so in awe of you. And I love the way that you Respond to these calls that are put before you. Um, My vision for you, I don't know if this is on your heart at all, but I can absolutely see you in elected office. You would have my vote immediately. (laughs) Uh, I would love to be on your campaign. I think you are just such a powerful force and a dynamo, and the world needs more. Love you, a lot more of you, and a lot more people like you doing what you're doing. So um, I just want to thank you for sharing your light and your energy on the show. This is exactly the kind of message that I want people to hear. And I really appreciate your candor and your authenticity. And, um, and I know that you don't have it all figured out. And I love the fact that you continue to say that you're still on this journey, but you in such a young life have learned so many things that I think so many of us spend an entire lifetime trying to learn. So thanks for articulating it so beautifully that people can hear it and it can, and it can land. And, um, and we can change some lives by sharing your stories. Thank you for that.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you. Um, and thank you for having me and kind of giving me a forum to be able to share a little bit about my story. Oh, um, I love like it. I said, I always feel a little strange talking about it because I'm, you know, I feel like it's the only worthwhile
1: story I have. No way. It's not
0: true, but I, I feel like that sometimes, um, because I still kind of feel like an imposter in the cycling um world, but um for that, and it in just in general, I appreciate you having me mm-hmm. and, um yeah i I really do think um, that uh changing um folks' environments and and material conditions and being pe- putting people in more um, uh, you know giving uh providing people with more you know services and that kind of thing will really change um cycling for the better um i think that it'll really be you know because as you mentioned there i think there are a lot of people that get in their own way for sure um but then i think there are a lot of very justified reasons to not do something like this um you know safety especially for you know um people that aren't cis men you know there's a lot of dangers as you know (laughs) given what you do for a living better than I do um so really I I I would I would just I really want to be part of the more like foundational changes that really um create um you know the avenues for for more people to um enjoy cycling in whatever which way whether it's you know commuting to work whether it's you know going to the grocery store whether it's biking across the country whatever it looks like um i i really just want cycling to be you know more inclusive and or more, more representative of the folks that do already do it you know doing more totally. justice to the folks that are already out here um and crushing it so again thank you i, I really oh, yes. it. I really enjoyed the conversation and and you asked um excellent questions
1: oh thank you well and we didn't get to get into it as much as i'd hoped but thank you also for your work with black girls do bike and and here in the denver chapter and you are um changing the narrative and the conversation around cycling i too want as many people on bikes as possible and um your work and your your coverage in bicycling magazine and your work with the solidarity rides i mean all of all of that stuff is having incredible impact on this community of cycling that we love and want as many people to be part of as possible. So thanks also for, um, you know, being a representative and, and, um, you know, spreading that message that representation obviously matters hugely. And you are now the reason that I'm sure so many young women who like you 10 or 15 years ago, um, didn't think that there was a place for them in the sport or didn't feel welcome in the sport now, Mm -hmm will feel that they have an absolute place and hopefully will inquire or join your cycling organization or another one and, um, and come join us in this community. Cause you know, bikes can change lives. I truly believe and um, and you're a big part of that conversation. So thanks for, thanks for that on behalf of cycling community in general for making that so much better too.
0: Thank you. I appreciate your words. You're
1: awesome. Well, uh, I will have in our intro all the links to find you on Black Girls Do Bike. I'll have a link to your Instagram, um, to the Bicycling Magazine article, the America Trail information, um, all the good things that we've talked about so that people can find you and follow you. And I really hope that you and I get a chance to ride bikes again soon when your schedule will allow. I would love that yeah. immensely. And especially now that you've tried mountain biking, we definitely have to do that
0: together. Yeah, and, you know, that was it's hard.
1: <laughs> yes, it <laughs> is. <fun>. I know. <laughs>
0: um, but no, it was fun and yeah, I would I would definitely love to cool. um, get together to get together and bike.
1: Would love that. Well, thank you Stephanie. Thanks for everything you do and all that you are and represent and um I can't wait to follow you and see what all you get into. Thanks.
0: Thank you. Appreciate thank you. it and care. definitely look forward to um you know, to developing a friendship and um Yeah. Yeah, continue cycling together
1: yay would love that thank you
0: all right have- thank
1: you for listening to maximum enthusiasm with megan hopman subscribe check out our blog and learn more at maximumenthusiasm.com.